Welcome to another episode of League One on the Rocks, everybody. We are so excited to have you uh, listening, watching, if you guys are on the live stream. My name is Rich. You can find me on Twitter at I'm Rich, but I'm not. Joined, as always, by Brian. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Mediocre Ace. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm recovering from uh, this brutal heat wave that we have. Working outside in construction right now is not the most fun thing in the world. I was going to ask you about that, man. It must be terrible working out there. Uh, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Today was pretty bad. I was in the warehouse, so I was going in and out of the building all day, and just being outside for those short bits was enough for me. So I can't imagine being you being out there, especially with all the gear that you have to wear. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's something. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> well, looking at your uh, screen there, it looks like you're uh, chugging down some bush light. Yeah, I don't know if that's a great decision or not, but it's a decision <laughs> I made. So I'm finishing off another cider tonight, and then I'm going to be jumping into a sour um, that I got while I was in Des Moines on Sunday. This is from Lua Brewing, and it's one of their fruit sours. So it's I've actually had it already. It's it's a good one. So if you guys are in Des Moines, head over to that place. They have some good stuff. But enough about that. We have an awesome guest tonight. We are so excited to have him. His name is John Gross, not John Green. John, how are you, man? Oh, I am freezing. I think I'm having some internet issues. Hang on one second. <laughs> let me let me move. You know, this is this is live TV, and uh, <laughs> things always pop up. So let me let me try to swap rooms here in my apartment. Hang on one second. It is all good. I think, especially our listeners know to expect the unexpected when it comes to the show. So exactly. That's what draws them in. Yeah. All right, let's roll with this. New room, hopefully there better we, Wi-Fi here. There <laughs> we go. Love it. <laughs> well, John, how you doing, man? I, I'm doing well. Uh, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on today. Looking forward to uh, a fun discussion of, of soccer, of USL, broadcasting, all of it. So thank you again. Yeah. And for those of, of you out there who... um know the voice but aren't exactly as familiar with the face this is john gross uh he is another one of the play-by-play -play commentators for uh usl championship league one nwsl i mean he's covered basketball he's covered baseball wrestling volleyball i mean name the sport and he's done it um i'm pretty sure he's also done some gaelic football as well <laughs> gaelic football a little bit of hurling yep <laughs> Hey, one day I would love to. I'm open to doing any and all sports. I'm open to it. <laughs> well, okay. So I want to start off by asking. So your Twitter bio says that you were the middle school geography B champion. Yes. And I wanted, I want to know all about this story. It sounds like a good one. Yeah. So, so seventh grade Cavallini middle school in, uh, I'm from New Jersey. And uh, I've always been fascinated by the world. Growing up, I'd go on some really cool vacations with my family. My dad is like, he, now in his part-time job that he has as a, a travel agent, he finds people amazing deals. And that was him for us growing up. Uh, so, so we'd go on all these, these cool trips and it just opened my eyes to the world. And, and I've always had a passion for, for the world and, and countries and learning about other cultures. So seventh grade comes, it was the first year that I was allowed to enter this geography bee because uh, in sixth grade, they, for some reason, wouldn't let us in. 
And I was so nervous the night before. And the next day I, I ended up winning probably, I don't know, 50 to 75 students on stage. We had to qualify through our individual classrooms. And then we got onto the big stage and then the 60 or 75 of us competed in front of the whole school. And uh, I, I won. It, it was it was awesome. But eighth grade repeat attempt unsuccessful. <laughs> ah. What was the, the final question? That final question. I do remember this. It was what island nation? I don't remember it word for word, but what island nation uh, is the world's leader in nuclear power production? I'll leave it up to you too. Brian, you want to take a stab first? Oh. <laughs> Island Nation. And it, it maybe not a leader, but maybe it was like top three. It was something with an Island Nation with a, a large percentage of its energy created by nuclear. Ooh. Man, I, I would have failed this one. My, my first thought would have been Japan, but I don't think that's correct. Wow. Too soon, man. <laughs> I think this this might have been the pre uh, pre Fukushima disaster, but I will say, Brian, go with your gut because that's the right answer. Oh, oh, well, there you go. Oh, nice, yep. Japan. I, so, Brian, you could have won the Cavallini Middle School Geography B. I could have, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think if it was a one question B, then yes, I probably could have. But anything further than that, and. Don't think so. <laughs> Man, if you were going to force me to guess, I was going to say Philippines. Dang. So, but Brian, congrats, oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. You are clearly smarter than a sixth grader. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, any, anymore, I look at my kids' uh, math homework and it's just, nope, I got nothing. Can't help you, bud. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I, I do substitute teaching uh, in my spare time back in, in Charlotte, where I live for most of the year. And when these students ask me to help with their math, I say, I I'm sorry, ask another student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you performed well on the big stage. You also translated that same effort into play-by-play -play commentating. You love that segue, don't you? Yeah, that's a good one. Nice um, so you graduated from Penn State with a degree both in broadcast journalism and international politics. Um, so I guess before you even went to Penn State, when did you know that you wanted to get into broadcast journalism? Well, I knew that I, I always loved sports. I played basketball through a couple of years of high school, but I was not good enough to do anything beyond that. But I knew I wanted to stay involved in some capacity. And, and I do remember when I was really little, I guess nine years old, NCAA football 2006 was my first ever video game on PlayStation 2. It, it's a classic. I don't know if you guys ever played it, but oh, yeah. absolute classic. Desmond Howard on the cover. I still have it. I don't think it works, unfortunately, but whatever. Uh, I, I had the game, and I would turn off the sound and announce the game when I was, I guess, nine years old. And I'm sure my parents were listening to me in the basement like, oh, what, what is he talking about? But that was my first foray into broadcasting, quote unquote. And then in high school, when I realized that I could actually do this for a career, I decided to uh, connect with three of my best friends. And we started a sports talk radio show online, which was basically just a podcast called Sportsaholics 24-7. We talked about New York area sports, mainly because that's where we're from. 
but it was it was a blast. And <laughs> we would we would call into this number on our home phones, not even the cell phones, but our home phones. And uh, the audio quality was awful. We would get maybe my parents, my grandparents, my friends, family members to listen. And, uh, and, and we would just talk about sports. And, and after that, I was like, okay, I want to give this a try. I want to do this for a living. And uh, I've pursued it ever since. Nice. Sportsaholics 24-7 until your parents made you go to bed. <laughs> Basically. And <laughs> I actually think that you can go online and look that up and find some of our old episodes. Oh, man. Yep. Okay. Yep. We're going to have to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm like 90% as of two years ago, it was up on Blog Talk Radio, Sportsaholics nice. 24-7 and Blog Talk Radio. Nice. Yes, That's we awesome. will definitely have to look that up and hear some <laughs> and hear some of your takes from back then. I I was probably wrong on all of them. I you know what? I feel that. I know exactly how that goes. <laughs> Even to this day, I'm I'm a bad prognosticator people will ask me oh who do you think is going to win this game and and i i have no idea i genuinely don't know like mm -hmm. i just like to sit and talk about the games i yeah. i'm not good at predicting nice well i also find it really interesting that you also um went in for international politics can you talk a little bit about what drove you to also get a degree in international politics well as I said before, I've always had this interest in the world and how people and countries interact. Um, I don't think I really ever, even when I was going into college, uh, ever had a plan to pursue that as a career since I knew I wanted to do broadcast journalism. So it was kind of almost for fun. Like I had to get either a second major or a minor. So I figured if I love this international politics so much, um, I might as well just take classes on it. And it was an absolute blast. It exposed me to so many new things. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little later on. But like outside of sports, I'm, I'm all about politics and world affairs. I listen to podcasts and watch shows all the time on that stuff. So I, I guess that's, that's kind of where it came from, just the, the lifelong interest I've had in the world and how countries interact with each other. And uh, I loved my, my college experience studying two completely different things. That's awesome. And while you were at Penn State, was there ever a moment where maybe you were trying to combine both of those majors together or you were maybe doing a student internship where you thought to yourself, yeah, this is this is definitely the right field for me? I, I did a lot of internships while I was at Penn State. I didn't do anything in the uh, international politics side of things, but in terms of broadcasting, I interned at local TV stations. Uh, I, I was very active with the student radio station at Penn State. That's where I got by far the most experience broadcasting in college. And that is where I truly realized, okay, this is awesome. I guess the moment that that I really was like, okay, th this, this is it, was when I broadcast my first Penn State football game. I, I grew up a diehard Penn State fan. My dad went there. I've been going to games there since birth and to be up in the press box at Beaver stadium, which is it's the fourth largest stadium in the entire world. Uh, it was unbelievable. So, so that moment was really special for me. And, and I think just all the experiences I had in college, uh, not only showed what path I want to pursue, 
but also what I didn't want to pursue. You know, like I said, I did some things with local television and, and I had fun. I enjoyed the people that I worked with, but, but I realized, you know, I, I don't know if I want to go down that path. I, I want to stick with play by play. Um, so yeah, I guess it, it helped me not only find what I want to do, but also what I don't want to do. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah. Um, what after graduating from Penn State and, and getting your degree, what was the biggest hurdle that you had to jump over um, as you were coming out of college? I think the industry in general is super competitive and, and challenging, and you have to be willing to move to random places. And, and that's what I did when I graduated college. I, so I grew up in North Jersey, just outside of New York City. I went to a college in Penn State with 45,000 students. And after graduating, I took a job at a Division II college in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, this small town called Pembroke, North Carolina, um, as the, I forget what my exact title was, but something like director of broadcasting for UNC Pembroke. It was, it was a complete culture shock, different than anything I ever experienced, but I loved it. it. The work experience was fantastic, but also just learning about the people who live there, learning about the community, um, living in a, a different state, different part of the country. It, it was really cool. Uh, Pembroke is basically like the, the main town of the, the Lumbee tribe, which is a Native American tribe in that area. So to live with the Lumbee tribe, learn about their culture and history, was, was super cool, opened my eyes to a lot of things. And then uh, just to, from, from the, the working side of things, I was able to get my uh, hands in a lot of different uh, baskets, doing play-by-play, -play, production, podcasting, video editing. So it was, it was a perfect experience for me, but like it was, it was tough. I think just adjusting to living in a place that was so drastically different than any place I'd ever been before uh, was was my biggest hurdle, I think. And soon after taking that position, COVID hits, yeah. and the sports industry shuts down. So, a person in sports media, broadcast journalism, what do you during during that time? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, there wasn't much money to be made in sports broadcasting at that time. So, I did a lot of DoorDash, which was, you know, is what it is. It was, uh, it was a good way to make some money, and I, I like driving around and listening to podcasts, so it worked out well. But beyond that, I was involved with uh, a lot of different um, – they were like Zoom groups, uh, group learning sessions, I guess you can call them, with a couple of different groups of people. Um, we, we would hop on a Zoom every week and talk about broadcasting, ways to better ourselves. We would connect with people. And, and – the guy who really led the group that I was involved in is somebody who you two may know of, Dave Leno. He is a play-by-play -play broadcaster for the union. Uh, he had done a lot of their TV stuff with JP De La Camera, he, a lot of their studio stuff, and, and now he's the radio voice where he calls uh, matches with Sebastian Latou, which is pretty awesome. Dave is, Dave is the man. He's been, first of all, just an amazing mentor and friend. But during the pandemic, he really stepped up and, and helped, up a lot, helped out a lot of broadcasters uh, with these Zoom sessions. And in addition to that, I uh, tried to 
stay active in broadcasting by having a, a show on the same platform that you all are on now, uh, StreamYard. And uh, it, it was, I think, just called the John Gross Show. And I would interview these people from the industry um, about their careers. And, and one of the really cool things about that time, like obviously everything about COVID sucked. That year and a half stretch where things shut down absolutely sucked. But the one advantage in my eyes was that I was able to connect with people in this industry who were high up because they had nothing to do either. So I had some pretty cool people on my show. I had uh, Tim Brando on my show, one of the foremost names in college athletics. Uh, Dave Revson, who, who is, I'm lucky to, to call a, a mentor uh, from Big Ten Network. He's amazing. Uh, Jessica Holtz, who is an MBA agent. She is awesome. So for, for all of them to have time to come on my show, um, I don't think that would have been possible outside of that COVID era. Um, so that's, that's how I kept busy. That's cool. Yeah, that is. Um, so, I mean, obviously COVID sucks and nobody wants COVID to come around again. So do you have any kind of tips or advice um, for anybody that may be sitting here and thinking about going into um, sports broadcasting and hoping to find a similar level of success that, that you have. Absolutely. I think there are a couple of things. And if I could just add one more thing um, from, from the, the COVID time, which I think is, is helpful for anybody. And it's still to this day helpful for, for me. Uh, if you remember fall of 2020, most college sports were pushed back to the spring of 21. So all of these colleges have an overload of games and not enough people to work the games. At that time, I was still working at UNC Pembroke. They were generous enough to keep me on staff. And, and in the spring, when these Division I schools in the Carolinas needed broadcasters, I, I reached out and I got a couple of opportunities. And that's how I got a foot in the door. And from there, it's just been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, knocking on some more doors and, and building out. Um, and, and that's all to say that you you need to do everything you possibly can to get a foot in the door somewhere and just get an opportunity. Uh, I think the most important thing early on in careers is getting reps. Like I'm, I'm four years into this as a pro and I have such a long way to go. Like I, in getting reps as a broadcaster is so valuable. Unlike other majors, other fields, other disciplines, you, you can't get better by just sitting in a classroom and learning about it. You have to go out and do it. So I'd say to anybody who wants to get into this field, number one, go for it. Number two, get as many reps as possible. And number three, just keep searching for opportunities and just, just grind because it's, it's not easy. The hours are long, uh, but it's, and in my eyes, it's the best job in the world. And you actually give back to your industry as well, because you are um, part of an organization that has a camp for future broadcasters. Yes. Yep. I've been a, a camp counselor for the last two summers at the play-by-play -play sports broadcasting camps. And I know I mentioned this to you before we got on air, but you you know your stuff, Rich. You did a lot of research on this. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So for the last two summers, I've been a counselor with them. And they go around the country and teach young up-and-coming broadcasters about this field. And I got in with them uh, last summer. I've done four different camps with them. And it's so rewarding to be able to give back. 
and, and help the next generation. That's something I try to do, whether it's with kids at a camp or, or people who may reach out to me about you know advice and how to get into this field, because there are people who have helped me get to where I am, and there are people who will help me get to where I'm hopefully going. Um, so I think this is an industry where, you know, no one ma no one makes it by themselves. So you get help, you have to help other people. I, I just find that to be a, an absolutely crucial thing to kind of me as a person, giving back to this industry. And you're giving geography lessons along the way. Exactly. Exactly. I needed it. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I will say this to add to the, the whole geography, international politics discussion. There, there are sometimes situations where it's helpful in my broadcasting, just the context. Like I, I don't talk about politics on air or rivalries between certain, maybe rivalries and sports between countries, but nothing about religion and stuff like that. But it does help me in terms of the context of, of sporting events. I mean, let's say for example, if I'm broadcasting, not that this would, probably ever happened, but like the old firm, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that is, that's religion based. Or if you have two countries that have a history with each other, then that's, there's, there's more on the table than just the game itself. So I think in that way it has helped a little bit. Yeah. Real Madrid, Barcelona. There's a lot exactly. of, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so just kind of talking a little bit more about actually broadcasting, um, sports in general um obviously you know there are people that say they have a voice for radio or a voice for um for broadcasting and you are obviously are one of those people who have a really good broadcasting voice is that something that you were had to kind of find and create or was it just something that came naturally to you I definitely had to find it. Um, I, if you look, if you listen back to some of my old broadcasts from when I was in college, oh, so, sounded so <laughs> bad. I'll have to send some to you guys after this, but it was just awful. Um, I, I, when I was in college, I connected with a guy in the theater department at Penn State, and he was a voice coach, and I took some lessons with him. Super helpful. Really helped me find my voice. And, and as he explained it, everybody has a voice that's inside them, a deeper voice, a voice that allows them to project more. It's just about accessing that. Um, so that's number one. And then number two, uh, one of my main mentors, a guy from ESPN named Judson Birch, shout out Judson, he's, he's the best. Uh, he suggested that I try an improv class, improv improvisational acting. So I did that last fall. I think that helped me with projecting my voice and also with uh, just broadcasting in general and working with an analyst because uh, the, the have either one of you ever done an improv class before? No, but I want to. It sounds fun. Right. Yeah, Do it. It's, it is an absolute blast. The overarching theme of improv acting is yes and. It's taking whatever whatever comes your way and dealing with it and making something out of it. So it was super applicable for broadcasting because I don't know what's about to happen in the broadcast or I don't know what my broadcast partner is about to say. It's about how I react to it. So, so those two things, I think, really helped me find my voice in, in a literal sense, but also in a, a figurative sense um, as, as I've grown. And it's still something I work on 
all the time, improving in terms of how I sound, improving in terms of how I react to things on air. Do you ever do vocal exercises before broadcasts or do like the, the tongue twisters? I don't do tongue twisters. Uh, if What I will say is that there are some names that can be tongue twisters. So I'll practice those names to get those out of the way. Um, uh, most of it just comes down to breathing and being relaxed. The, the biggest thing that I learned in that um, voice class was that like throughout the day, we have so much stress and tension being built up in our body. Th think about this. When you wake up in the morning, that's when your voice is the deepest, right? Because you're relaxed. You're chilling. You just got up. You don't have any work emails to worry about. You haven't been sitting in traffic. You're not stressed. You're, you're chilling. So it's about releasing that stress, relaxing, breathing through your diaphragm, and um, and yeah, just just doing some breathing techniques. So, so that's what I'll do prior to some broadcasts. Um, and then also there are some times where maybe my voice feels a little bit raw, feeling a little bit under the weather, or I, I've done four games in four days, and I have this, this spray that I use, kind of like a, I don't know, maybe a chloroseptic, I think it is, um, that, that helps that as well. Nice. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned the, the morning stuff with the low voice. Cause that's when I record all my Barry white albums. <laughs> it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect for that. <laughs> yeah. We've been trying to get rich, uh, a job reading books on tape. So we think he's got oh, that kind of voice. Awesome. Absolutely. So go for it. We need to get those going right when he wakes up. He just needs to have a script in front of him just to read off. Yeah, I've done some voiceovers, but I haven't done any um, like voice acting. I've submitted some stuff, but I haven't gained any like contracts just yet. Well, keep pushing. You'll get there. I have no doubt. You have a great voice, so keep it up. Thank you. So <clears throat> over in the uh, live chat, Ranting Blue Penguin Media, uh, that's Tim, our friend of the show. Hello, um, Tim. Tim wants to let us know that he thinks every show that we did was an improv class. So <laughs> it's it's pretty close to that. We have a a yep. outline that Rich puts together, but yeah, we we've gotten to the point where we riff quite a bit more than we used to, for sure. Oh yeah, for it, sure. Yeah. But that makes it more entertaining, right? Makes it more fun for you guys and for the listeners, I think. Yeah, it's great. We hope sure. so, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, can you kind of talk uh, about what your reaction was to being offered the opportunity to um, go into like the professional level of sports as opposed to um, doing things more on the collegiate side? Yeah, I mean, I first of all, like I absolutely love college sports. Um, it's it's I love working in college sports. Um, but, you know, on the professional side, th this is this is their livelihood. You have people who who literally putting food at the table depends on how well they perform. So everything is much higher stakes. And uh, to me, that also forces me to elevate my game. Um, so that's that's super important to me that, I mean, every broadcast I do, college or pro, I'm putting 110% effort into preparing and you know performance on air. Uh, but that's something I always think about. And then I guess just my reaction at the moment was just, I'm honored. Um, I, I really feel grateful for every opportunity that I have, whether it's pro, whether it's, uh, I do some high school sports, uh, when I'm uh, back in North Carolina, every, every game I do, I'm, I'm grateful. So yeah, I think just, just being grateful for 
every opportunity. That's that's my that's my reaction for every game that I get offered to do. Has the industry ever changed into okay, this is a job versus getting up, being super excited to go to work, and this is exactly what you want to do, your love and life? I can honestly say that I've never once rolled out of bed the day of a game and said, oh, I have to broadcast tonight. Never once. <laughs> and if that day ever does come, there's something wrong. That's happened. But I consider myself so lucky in that regard um, to, to work in a profession that allows me to be you know, happy with, with my job. I guess the the downside of of what I do is I'm a freelancer, so I have to keep track of all of my expenses. I have to file, uh, you know, different taxes. I have a bunch of these W nines, ten ninety nines, ten forties. I think I don't know a whole bunch of numbers, uh, which, as we talked about before, numbers maybe not my strong suit. <laughs> that, that's that's the biggest downside but other than that when it comes to simply broadcasting games it's it's great it just feels like i'm talking about sports I and mean, that that is what it is but like it's it's fun i do that with my friends uh for no money so when i get paid to do it it's even better <laughs> um so just i know we kind of touched upon it a little bit with some of your mentors and some of your um influences um but can you kind of talk to who your biggest influencers were um growing up in the obviously the sports broadcast world yeah growing up uh, i grew up in new jersey big new jersey nets fan remember them new jersey oh yes day jason kidd jason kidd Kenyon martin rj vince carter a little later on that was my first exposure to sports uh, I remember I was four years old, went to my first preseason game. That was my first NBA game. Loved it. Was been hooked ever since. And Ian Eagle, for pretty much all of my life, has been the TV voice of the Nets. So he's one of my biggest influences, without a doubt. Uh, Chris Fowler, who does college football for ESPN, huge influence. Uh, I, I'm a diehard college football fan, uh, massive influence. And then... Um, man, I mean, God, there's, there's so many broadcasters I love, uh, soccer wise soccer. I love watching all the different types of broadcasters. If they're a, a Spanish speaking broadcaster, it's a completely different style of broadcasting than a British or, or American broadcaster. Um, so I take a little bit from, from all of those different styles. I love watching and listening to other USL broadcasters, Mike Watts, Joe Malfa, Josh Eastern. I'm sure I'm forgetting some some amazing people, but there are so many. Um, and I, I try to watch as many different games as I can and just listen and and take what I like from from those people and kind of make it my own. So as you take those influences and bring them into your own style, in the moment when there's something huge happening, mm-hmm. how do you balance the madness of the moment with your narration of what's happening? That is a great question. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges of broadcasting. When I was younger, I would always try to say something super memorable or catchy that I thought people were going to love. And as I've grown and as I've talked to people in this industry, the, the key is to say something and then lay out 
because a picture is worth a thousand words. And for those listening who may not know what laying out means, it means say something and then shut up. Let the pictures tell the story because especially in a, a sport like soccer, the emotion of the athletes, the passion of the fans, that says more than anything that, that I could say on a broadcast. So, uh, so it's about getting in there when there is a big moment, getting in there, doing the moment justice, giving the context, and then get out. I love that. That's how I view it. And, and listen, there are people who view it differently as well. There are people who, who will always, um, always uh, talk and, um, you know, over, over big plays. But my, my thought on it is just to say it and, and get out. When you were younger, what were some of your catchphrases? I don't know if I had catchphrases per se, but I just always felt like I had to be like, be on the moment and just say a million and one things that people would remember. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. So no boom goes the dynamite? <laughs> <laughs> no boom goes the dynamite, but that that is one of the greatest uh, bits of sports broadcasting of all. I went to the U.S. Open Cup uh, between uh, Union Omaha and Chicago. I was there with uh, Chip from Walkin' 90, and we went to meet up with a couple of uh, Chicago Fire fans at a uh, bar before kickoff, and we met up with somebody, and she told us that uh, Tyler was going to be showing up. And we thought, well, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I don't know who Tyler is, but cool. Well, Tyler Terrens, the voice of Chicago Fire, uh, came over to the bar to chat with fire fans and hang out before kickoff before he went over to soldier field. And I was standing, I remember very distinctly uh, talking to her. And then as soon as he walked in, he all he said was, uh, hi, I'm Tyler Terrence. And I turn and I mean, we're in a sports bar. Like there's, there's TVs playing, there's music, there's people talking and his voice, just like you were talking about, you find that deep voice that amplifies and I swear it was like an organ playing in a church. It just, his voice just rang off every single wall in that bar. And I just turned to him and thought, holy crap, this guy is amazing. I can see why he's the voice of Chicago fire. Absolutely. Tyler. So I have a funny story as well with Tyler that I just found out about recently. Uh, first of all, incredible broadcaster. I was actually just talking to him a couple of days ago. Uh, I, I recently found out that my grandmother who might be watching this, shout out grandma if you're watching. She was Tyler's Hebrew school principal, Hebrew schools like Sunday school um, for, for Jewish people growing up. Um, she was his Hebrew school principal when, when, when he was very little. So she's known him forever. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> That's crazy. And when I told her that, she was like, oh, of course I remember Tyler. He was a great, great kid. And now here he is as uh, one of the best soccer broadcasters in, in the US. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> that, I mean, it's, it's definitely a small world. Like we, it's huge. Yes. But random things like that make it feel so small. Yes, it is crazy. <laughs> um, so I know we've kind of talked about some of your influences and, and some of the, the announcers or, um, personalities that you like listening to. Um, so I guess my next question would be, um, is if you could mix a sport and a specific broadcaster, who would you have 
call that sport. Like mine in particular, I would love to see um, Mike Breen from the NBA. And if anybody doesn't know, he's the one that yells bang every time on a three-pointer. Um, I would love to see him call something like wrestling or soccer. I would love to see either of those things because I think it would just be hilarious to see. Um, Do darts, man. Darts, darts would be great as well. <laughs> oh, That's a good one. This is a great question, and that is an awesome answer you gave. Uh, I think I'd have to go with Ian Eagle because he's – he, he's similar to Breen in that he does a great job of like really just enunciating on those big calls and mm. he just makes it feel bigger than it is. And he's also so fun. Uh, Iron Eagle calling golf. That would be Ooh, pretty entertaining, yes. I think. Yeah. And then Peter Drury, who personally is, is my favorite soccer broadcaster, uh, him calling American football. I mean, him calling anything I think would be great to listen to, but him calling American Definitely. football would be interesting. I would go with Andres Cantor doing like poker. <laughs> poker, yes. <laughs> I was actually just just before this, I was showing my girlfriend his call of the winning penalty kick in the World Cup and the passion that he showed. Like oh, yeah. that is that is one of the single best calls of all time. I think that and then uh, Peter Drury's call of mm. uh, uh, Roma have risen from their ruins. Manilos, the Greek god, um, yeah. those two were probably my favorite calls. And the crazy story about the second one, the, the, the Drury call, going back to the whole catchphrase thing, he he like he didn't have he didn't have that planned. I heard an interesting interview with him. He said that when he said Roma have risen from their ruins, he only said that because he didn't know who had scored the goal. He said that <laughs> the whole time, and then after he said it, he found out. That it was Menelos and uh, the Greek god in Roma, which was just that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, Drury also had the uh, the Wayne Rooney bicycle kick. He had Sergio Aguero's goal uh, in the final dying seconds. I mean, he has had some amazing calls over the years. Yeah, iconic. Think, did he have the? I think 2010 World Cup South Africa, a goal for South Africa, a goal for all of Africa. Ooh. I think that might have been him Ooh, as well. That could be yeah. him. Either way, he's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, I uh, honestly, like some of the greatest like plays that you hear, I I really feel like when you watch, just because we talked about darts, darts is insane. When yeah. those announcers are, they find a different level every time they do something like that. They, every time you hit a 180, just exactly like Tim said in the chat, 180 or a perfect nine darter it just there's really nothing better than that as far as broadcasting in my opinion goes a lot of energy that's for sure um so you mentioned that you're a big basketball fan it's been a a huge influence on you college football as well is there any style of broadcasting that appeals to you more like in, in terms of the way that a sport is broadcast? Uh, sure. And, and the way that they're called by the, the commentators. Um, that's tough. That's so tough because the sports are all, all they're so different. Like baseball compared to basketball compared to soccer are, uh, are all so different. I, I really like the tempo of basketball. Um, that's, that's a lot of fun. 
I love soccer just because it's nonstop. I mean, you have one break in the middle of the match. And other than that, you are, you're rolling for 45 to 50 minutes at a time, which is great. Uh, football, football's fun. Football is, is really tough because it's, you have like these quick bursts of insane action and then 20 to 30 seconds of nothing, which is challenging. And then baseball, baseball, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if there are any baseball fans out there watching this. Uh, it's just a little too slow for me. I, I like broadcasting it because I'm kind of involved in it, but like, you know, I struggle to watch a game and just it, it's slow. Uh, so I guess not baseball, but any other sport pretty much. I'm, I'm, I'm really big into. I don't discriminate. I like all of them. You have to fill a lot of airtime with stories. You do. And speaking of great broadcasters, Vin Scully. Oh, yeah. Scully, uh, one of the best of all time. And what makes what he did so impressive was the fact that he was solo all the time for baseball. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Vin, yep. Vin, Vin was uh, an absolute legend. He was, yeah. Definitely. Um, so kind of getting more into, um, what you're currently doing as for USL and stuff like that. Um, the friend of the podcast and also a USL play by play commentator, uh, Ross, uh, Devonport posted a picture of his stat sheet to social media not too long ago. Um, what information, uh, do you personally include on that stat sheet? I will actually show you in one second. I left this in my other room when I moved. <laughs> it's going to be All a good right. one, man. Here we go. So, so everybody prepares a little bit differently. Um, but what I do, and I do this for every sport, and it, it's different based on the sport, but I make what's called a spotting chart. And I'll show you. This is from a Richmond versus Tormenta match earlier in the season. And... Oh, it's blurry. Let me turn off this blur if I can do that. <laughs> I use the same thing on my screen, so I get it. <laughs> I'm not even sure how to... Do you know how to turn this blur off? Um, I use NVIDIA Broadcast, so I don't know if it's on... Okay. Well, I'll do my best with this. Keep it cent uh, central. There so <laughs> I have... Uh, so this is Richmond, for example. I have everybody who may play... All of their individual stats listed, uh, appearances, starts, goals, assists. I have their hometown, their heights, their positions. Um, I have individual notes here on the players. So I have what they did last match. I have any recent trends. Goal in three straight matches, whatever it may be. Or are they leading the league in, in assists, leading the golden boot race? Um, then I have like personal info about every player. So let's see. I'll give you an example. Uh, Chris Cole, for example, he uh, trialed in 2021. He commuted over two hours from Virginia Beach to Richmond while trying to secure his first pro contract. So, so those are the type of notes that I have. And I have those for every player. And I have like key information highlighted in yellow, extra key information highlighted in green, um, the blue, you can see those are coach quotes. So I speak with the coaches. I'm sorry, this is a little blurry, but I speak with the coaches. I have um, some notes here uh, from Darren talking about that player. 
And then on the side, I have team notes as well. And then I have the full on generic coach quotes um, going down the side. I have on the top their record. Uh, I have what they did last season, info about the uh, head coach. And then I also have like some team stats down here um, and uh, what's coming up next in their schedule as well. So I do that wow. for every team. And, uh, you know, I would say 70% of the info that I have on there, I actually don't mention on air just because there might not be a, a chance or maybe a guy won't play. But you have to be prepared. Like I'll give an example. Last match I did, uh, Jimmy Villalobos scored for one knocks against Chattanooga. So, you know, I knew he played for Chattanooga previously. And when he scored, I was quickly able to mention scores against his former club. So it's like, it's moments like that when you have to know to, to fit in those, those storylines, but yeah, that's what I have um, on my charts. And again, everybody does it a little bit differently. So I spend a, Brian and I spend a lot of time on our outline on a weekly basis. I know I, that I do more statistic, statistical stuff. Uh, Brian does a lot more, you know, eye test uh, type stuff. How long does it take you to make that sheet? So it depends if, if I've done these clubs before and I have the players with their name and, and info and uh, coaching info and all that stuff, it, it typically takes me about two hours per team. But if I haven't done it yet, probably to build all of it, start to finish like three to four hours per team. And that includes the coach calls as well and listening back to it. So it's, it's a, uh, it's a lot. And I think in general, the, the rule of thumb is two hours of prep for every hour that you're on air. That's for, for most sports. Um, and I'd say that's, that's pretty true for how I prep for soccer as well. Cool. And so when you're going through and, and doing the research and stuff that you do, um, do you listen to any fan led media or anything like that to help kind of inform some of the information you're going to put in or inform some of the opinions you're also going to put into the broadcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I always want to be in tune with what the fans are saying, not to necessarily like echo their sentiment on air, but just to get a gauge on, on what they're feeling. So, so I'll listen to the, the overarching league shows, you guys walk in 90. I, I listen to some team specific stuff. Uh, flock talk, uh, flock talk, um, river city, uh, El Fuego. Pa I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of them, but yeah, like in the lead up to matches, I will listen to a lot of these podcasts and especially earlier in the season when, when I'm still trying to get familiar with, with some of the changes on these teams and I haven't seen these teams yet. Um, I'll listen to a lot of these shows to just get a gauge on like what the expectations are. Um, what, what, what is, what is the vibe in, in Madison, Wisconsin? Um, are they happy with how they're performing or are they not so happy? I'd imagine, uh, this season they've been pretty happy. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I listen, I listen to a lot of these shows and to anybody out here who, who does have a show, like, keep it up. People are listening. I'm listening. We're, we're all listening. Uh, so, so keep it up. You all do really, really good work and important work at that. Well, thank you very much. We all very appreciate that a lot. It that means a lot to us. Of course. And when you were talking about that stat sheet, you also mentioned there's a midweek meeting with the coaches that you're going to be covering that weekend. What are those meetings like? 
Yeah. So those are, those are really important. Um, I, I talk for it varies 15 to 20, 30 minutes with each head coach and I'll, I'll have some typical questions, their thoughts on their previous match, what, what they've been focusing on in training that week and in the lead up to that specific opponent, um, things of that nature. But I'll, I'll also do research before those calls to have more pointed questions. Uh, okay, uh, this guy has been playing really well as of late. W what has led to his recent uptick in production? Or uh, you guys have conceded corner kick goals in back-to-back -back matches how much of an emphasis are you putting in that in training? How are you trying to, to fix that? So, so those calls are crucial. And I, I want to give a lot of credit to uh, the coaches who I speak with in, you know, league one and, and USL championship, they, they, they tend to give really good insight and, and it makes my job a lot easier. So shout out to the coaches, shout out to the uh, communication staffs as well for, for setting those calls up. But man, those are, those are instrumental to uh, having a good broadcast. So when you're when you're kind of going through and figuring out the storylines and things that you're going to talk about during the match or during those lulls in in the action, um, is there any particular storyline that you look forward to that interest piques your interest the most that you would like to talk about most on the broadcast? I mean. It, like it's always fun when teams are battling near the top of the table. That's always a good one. Battle for battle for first place. I love the derbies. Um, I love. I mean, li listen. There are sometimes matches that don't have those big storylines, so you have to go out and and find the storylines too. Um, to me, it's it's just about what 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 makes what can sell this broadcast. Um, I, I think. Uh, uh, anytime there's like a any big storyline for a broadcast, I will always throw that in the intro to to let people know early on. Hey, this is what this is what's at stake. Uh, last last match I did, it was the Smoky Mountain SmackDown. I mentioned something about that. You know, a chance to to claim the first installment of the Smoky Mountain SmackDown series or a battle for first place in uh, in, in in wherever. Um, so yeah, it's just about finding that uh, that good storyline and you know do, doing it justice. And it's all I think it's also important to uh, repeat it throughout the broadcast. So I, I know you guys are the type of guys to sit through and, and watch the full ninety minutes. But there are some people who maybe are tuning in for just a couple of minutes here and there. So you have to repeat the storylines. So I apologize to, to you guys if it gets a little redundant hearing me say the same things over and over, but there's a reason for it <laughs> only if it's slander against our team. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never slander. I, I will rarely, if ever give my opinion on, uh, on what I'm seeing out there. I just like to say it as it is. I'll leave that. If I'm working with an analyst, I leave that to the analyst. <laughs> nice. And so we, we have a question, um, from Tim ranting blue penguin media in the, uh, live chat. And, Feel free if you don't feel comfortable answering. You can always say I don't feel comfortable answering or whatever, and no, no worries. Um, Tim would like to know if you listen to other USL broadcasts, and if so, um, do you think you and your peers are doing really well? And if there is anything to improve, what would you like to see improved? You know, I, I'm not going to speak for for everyone because I don't watch 
every broadcast. I do watch other broadcasts. Um, I'll, I'll speak for myself, though. I know personally, I'm always trying to get better. Uh, there are there are mistakes I make. There are th- I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, last week, I watched back, and I, I try my best to watch back every broadcast I do, or at least the highlights of them. Um, last week, I noticed that there was a word that I was saying way too many times. So I got home, and I literally made a list on my phone of 10 different ways that I could say that same thing, but in a different way so I can mix it up. So, so that's what I do. And, and I'll, I'll say like, I'm, I'm not perfect for sure. I mean, I'm still early on in in my career. I'm always striving to be better. Um, yeah, just, you know, never satisfied. And, and I'm sure that every other broadcaster, not just in, you know, this league, but everywhere, the best of the best are always trying to get better. So, yeah. So speaking uh, of things that we would like to improve on last week, when I said that we were going to be interviewing you, I said we were going to be interviewing John Green in my head. I a hundred percent said John Gross. When you have those moments, what do you do to try to limit or eliminate those altogether? Yeah. Um, You know, if, if there's something happens on air where I mess up, I will issue you know, a, a retraction and apology. Hey, sorry, this, this is the, this is the correct information. And then just, just try to do better. Um, and, and I think mistakes do happen We're we're humans, you know, I know there's, there's AI out there. Listen, maybe AI can, can do a, a better job. I, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully not. Otherwise I'm, I have to use that international politics degree of mine. If, if AI is <laughs> enough to broadcast, but, uh, no, I think it's, you know, it's, it's just about watching back your stuff, critiquing yourself, getting better. If, if you make a, a mistake, address it. It's happened to me where, where I've said the wrong name and I'll, I'll go back and, and change it. You know, that's, and I trust me, nobody feels worse about it than I do. Like, you know, I, I, I take it hard. I used to be harder on myself than I am now. Like I'm, I'm harder, I'm harder on myself now in terms of critiquing myself, but I used to be really hard on myself in terms of feeling just like absolutely awful about myself. Now I just work on it and try to shake it off and, and move on to the next broadcast. But I think the overarching theme, this question and going back to the last question is um, just always trying to get better and realizing that uh, I'm never satisfied. Yeah, given the fact that I said your name in the closing 30 seconds of the episode, I felt absolutely horrible. <laughs> well, it's okay because I'll, I'll say two quick things. I mentioned one of these before we got on air, but my mom's uh, last name starts with Green, actually. So, uh, and and her, one of her nicknames, I guess, is Green. So, so that's not too bad. And then number two, you're comparing me to a great author, John Green. John Green, right? Yeah. I, I did I, it on purpose. Yeah, exactly. I, I hold you in such high esteem that that's where you're at. John Green. I remember when I was probably in either middle school or, or early high school, I watched that movie, The Fault in Our Stars. Have oh, you heard yeah. that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I went to the movies. It was myself, three of my best friends. We were the only guys in the entire theater. And like it was, it was such a good movie. I was crying at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but John Green, great author. So trust me, I was not offended. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And I I feel that too, because I'll go back and I'll listen to every every podcast that we do and I'll 
listen in and try to find ways where I maybe can, oh, I can interject in here a little bit better, or I should do this differently. And I still, to this day, cannot stand the sound of my voice. When I listen to myself back, it, it is that something that just comes with time? Or have you ever gotten over hearing your own voice on the broadcast? Uh, I don't know about uh, like getting over it. It's, it's definitely easier than it once was. Um, but it's just a necessity of being in this industry that I, I have to go back and rewatch and listen to my broadcasts. It's the only way that I can get better. So I, I guess at this point, I wouldn't say I'm over it, but I'm used to it. It's a valid point. Yeah. Okay. So since we talked about mistakes, let's talk about things that we're most proud of. What's your most treasured soundbite? Most treasured soundbite, like a, a single call that I had that I think was that like I really yeah. enjoy. Okay. Yeah. What's your I guess goes the dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm, that's that's a really good question. Uh, I think I know a couple from last year when I did I did some. There were two NWSL moments that I had that were really special. One was when I had the honor of calling a Megan Rapino goal. She's she's the best, and mm -hmm. uh, and that was super special. And then another was uh, Angel City versus Gotham. Uh, there was like an, an amazing nutmeg, and and she had a pretty crazy goal, just kind of towing the byline, and somehow scored. Uh, and and that I thought that was a, a fun call. Um, probably probably. Uh, those two I'm trying to think if there's anything else super memorable i mean i've had like games that i remember but in terms of specific calls i, I don't know I, I haven't had that i haven't had like that buzzer beater moment yet i think when i get like a buzzer beater or like a a, a, a game winner in at the death in like a, a playoff match something like that that that'll probably be the memorable moment so just talking about having these things that you you want to have be memorable moments. Do you have any sound bites that you have planned for these moments, or is it going to be just something that comes out completely naturally? Nothing is the only thing that I plan on the broadcast is the open. I don't type up a script per se, but I have an idea of what I want to say. And of course, if I'm working with an analyst, I'll go through that with them ahead of time. We have the rundown of, of what the uh, elements will be in the open ahead of time. So I'll come up with a question to lead them into whatever you're all seeing on screen. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the match itself, once, once the whistle blows, I don't have any sort of scripted things. Some people do. Mike Breen says bang. Yep. A lot of people <laughs> have their catchphrases and they do a great job of it. Uh, I've heard the people who have their catchphrases, they didn't go into it trying to have that like as their thing. I think uh, Mike Breen, uh, I hope I don't butcher the story, but I heard this on a great episode of um, Old Man of the Three. It's JJ Reddick's podcast. Oh yeah, it's a great one. Sorry to promote another podcast on your podcast, but they, they oh, do boy. a really good job. Just like, I listen to that just one like too. Yeah, great show. 
And, and I think he said something along the lines of he just said it in a game or he was like saying with friends and one of his friends was like, oh, you should use that. That's a great line. And that was it. Um, I might be butchering that a little bit, but it was it was basically it, it kind of came naturally. So, no, I don't force anything. I don't have anything scripted. I guess the only time that I will occasionally have an idea of what I want to say uh, of a, an occurrence that happens during a match is if there is some sort of milestone that might be reached in that game, then I have to know going into it, not necessarily word for word what I'm going to say, but I at least have to have that in the back of my head that uh, this player can uh, can can do this thing in this game. And this is the context that goes with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Jim, Jim Nance, I think the story behind Hello Friends, uh, whenever he says friends, I think the story that I, I was I heard in an interview one time was that whenever he says the word friends, he's actually saying like hello to his dad. And oh. so instead of saying hello, dad, he always says hello, friends. But then it That's just became cool. this whole inclusive thing. That is amazing. Yeah. I, I will say that uh, I've, I've had a couple broadcasts, not really recently, but I guess I did have one kind of recently for my grandparents' anniversary. But over the years, I'll have some fun with a couple of friends and they'll text me to say a word on a broadcast <laughs> as like kind of a shout out to them. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll have to weave it in. So I, the last one I did was for my grandparents for their anniversary. So I got that in. Hey, if, if you two ever, ever have any suggestions for words you want sent in a broadcast, <laughs> hit me up. I'm all ears. What was the word for tonight? G. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the word for tonight? The word for tonight. Oh, well, I, I didn't have one for tonight, but my oh, grandparents okay. gave me one for uh, for broadcast I did, I guess a couple of weeks ago or a month ago. Um, but no, unfortunately, nothing for tonight. Uh, you know what? Maybe that 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 should be a thing. Next time you have a guest on, have people submit to that person a word yeah. they have to weave in. And then you two have to guess what the word is. Oh, I like I that idea. That. that is really good. Ooh. There you go. John, I yeah. love it. Okay. That's in. New that's segments. in from now on. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, so I know we're we're coming up against the, the hour timeline here. Um, but I do know I, that I'm in no rush, so oh, I'm okay. good as long as you two need me. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we've, yeah, we've got a, we've got a few more questions here to work with. So if you're good with going some more, we can ask a few more. Um, so no, with all of the actual coverage that you're providing right now, I mean, you do USL NWSL, CONCACAF, everything like that. Um, how do you stay in the know or how do you go through and be in the know with all of these different leagues that you're currently involved with? Absolutely. So, so this summer has been League One, USL Championship, and MLS Next Pro, and I had NWSL and CONCACAF last summer. So, bo so both summers that I've been working in pro soccer, I've had like three or four different leagues to deal with, uh, which has been a blessing uh, and, and also a challenge. I think uh, you have to realize that you are not going to be able to keep track of everything that happens in every league. You have to be able to obviously know the ins and outs of what's happening in the match that you're calling. That's why I have, you know, spotting charts that helps me there, but then uh, also be familiar with what's going on around the league. 
so that you can mention it on the broadcast. Sometimes they have the up the, the live scores that pop up in the corner of the screen during match play. You want to be able to say, oh, wow, that's a surprising result. Or uh, if that result holds, this team in my match will catapult to first place in the table. So the ways that I do that, I will, like I said, I'll listen to a lot of these podcasts around League One and around these leagues, which are super helpful. Um, I will read articles. Uh, the leagues do a, a good job of having the the uh, you know team of the week stuff and power rankings, uh, game previews. A lot of these places are in um, in you know cities that have newspapers or websites who, who cover them. Uh, and that's super helpful. I know and I'm going to blank on a lot of these Madison three, six, five, I read a lot of their stuff when, uh, when, when I do Madison matches, there are so Rob many. I yeah. I, yeah. I, I, there are so many that I'm going to forget. So I don't want to just start listing, but uh, yeah, I read a lot of the newspapers online um, and, and just try to just stay as much uh, in the know as I possibly can, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. You, you can't know everything that's going on, but you just got to do your best. And sometimes so, you have to lean on that other voice that's in the booth with you. If you are working with another person, do you prefer working al alone or do you like having that other person in the booth with you? Uh, I like working with an analyst, no doubt. And working solo is fine. Not a problem with it, but I like working with an analyst. They, especially the analysts that I've had the honor of working with over these last couple of years. They're so knowledgeable, so unbelievably good. It forces me to elevate my game and it makes the, uh, the broadcast in general, just way better. They are, they are the experts. They're the ones yeah. who can say how and why something's happening. I'm just saying what's happening. Um, I, I know some people who do solo broadcasts, uh, give some analysis as well. I'll occasionally do that. Um, but you know, I, I will always prefer to have an analyst on with me and defer to the expert. They, yeah. they know best, no doubt about it. And so that, that also kind of comes into another question here from Tim at ranting blue Penguin media. Um, he would like to know if you have a say in when things pop up, in the broadcast or is that all kind of set in the pre-production? Great question, Tim. Yeah. It's a mix of both. There are elements that we know of, uh, that the producer has on hand ahead of time. And I'll go, and, and this is, you know, not just when I'm doing USL, but this is when I'm doing the college games and, and all that, uh, it's fairly standard across the board. There are elements that we know of ahead of time. Um, and sometimes we do show those and talk about those if a relevant thing happens in said game. Sometimes we don't. Um, but a lot of times there are things that happen that no one expected to happen. So we have to be ready as broadcasters and the producers and, and everybody behind the scenes, they who, who are absolute, they're all rock stars. They are, they're the, they make it happen. Like they are the stars of the show. Don't let anybody fool you. They're the stars, the people behind the scenes, they have to be ready to create a graphic, to have a replay package ready to go. And when I'm broadcasting, occasionally I will 
say something to the producer, like there's something called talk back. There's a button I press on my audio box that will allow me to talk to the producer, not without going on air. And I'll say, Hey, this just happened. I know we have a, a graphic that says this. I, I'm going to talk about this. Just want to give you a heads up. So, you know, to, to pull that graphic up. But most of the time it's the producer saying, all right, replay coming in three, two, one, or we're about to show this graphic, whatever it may be. I think overall, Tim, the, the key with putting together a, a broadcast is communication between the production side of things and the broadcasters. We have to be on the same page so that whether I want to propose something, which again, I, I don't do that very often, or uh, the analyst wants to propose something, which does happen more often, they may say, hey, let's get a replay of this. I want to give the X's and O's on that. Um, or what mainly happens is that the producer says, hey, let's, let's, let's talk about this. I'm about to show a shot of, of this person. Uh, that's the communication side of it is, is key. And while they may be the stars behind the, the broadcast, they're hearing your voice. Do you find it difficult to carry your singular voice through the entire broadcast? It's um, not, not necessarily for, so it depends on the sport, I guess. For soccer, it's certainly more doable. A lot of the uh, stuff, some of the stuff we do at halftime maybe is, uh, you know, that, that kind of gives me a time to, to rest, right? I have a little bit of a breather there. Um, and it's only an hour and a half, maybe a little over an hour and a half of, of me actually calling the match itself. Meanwhile, baseball, like you're talking three to four hours of you talking by yourself, a lot of dead time. That is, I've done it. I did it for a whole summer. Uh, that that was too much for me. But but soccer is uh, it's it's definitely more doable than baseball. Nice solo. And so, if we're we're talking about um, specifically um, soccer, I think right now, um, is there? Any time that you would ever like to include like post-match interviews with, let's say, players or coaches into the broadcast, or is that something you, you would be interested in doing? Absolutely. I, I think uh, that would be a, a great thing to have. And uh, like we talked about before, I get to talk with these coaches every week. And you get to hear their passion, their personality, you get to know them a bit. I think to to be able to you know talk to them on camera and have the fans connect to them as well. Um, that 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 would be really cool. I love doing interviews, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, just a, a chance to showcase coaches or players. Definitely something uh, I would I would love to do. Nice. We've talked about the early days of John. We talked about your influences. We talked about you in the booth. Let's talk about the future. Do you want to stay in soccer? Yes, I love soccer. You look at the structure in American sports. So for most of the year, from let's say early September through early May, I'm doing college sports, and which, which includes soccer um, in, in the fall. But over the summer, you have two main options in the US, baseball and soccer. 
I tried the baseball thing for a couple of years. And while I absolutely loved the team that I worked for and the people that I was with, it was just, it was tough doing a game every day. I think it was about 48 to 50 games in a 60 day stretch. That's a lot. Three hours to four hours each game, most of the time by myself. And, uh, and soccer is uh, just way, <laughs> again, no offense to baseball people, but soccer is way more exciting. It is, it's the beautiful game. And, uh, and I've really grown to love it. Uh, as a broadcaster over the last couple of years since I've had the opportunity to to call soccer in, in this league and uh, collegially as well. So I, I hope to continue for a very long time in the sport. So uh, just going over, I mean, I know you're doing the actual broadcasting of games and matches. Is there ever a time in your career that you would like to move into directing these um these things or editing them or are you more comfortable and want to stay as a broadcaster and stay quote unquote in front of the camera? Definitely want to stay uh, in front of the camera as a broadcaster. What goes on behind the scenes is incredible. And for anybody who's ever worked in television or has seen what goes on in a production truck or in a studio, they've seen how much of a collaborative effort it is and how much work goes into it. So uh, the utmost respect to, to everyone behind the scenes, but you know, I'm just, I'm focused on staying on camera for uh, as, as long as I can. That's, that's, that's uh, what I'm hoping to do, but I, I've done some production things. I do video editing as well um, on the side, make a couple of videos, things like that. Actually, most of the videos that I, I do make for video editing outside of broadcasting um, is for, high school soccer players to get recruited by colleges. Oh, nice. Very pretty cool. cool. That's yeah. That's really nice of you to do. Well, let's dangle the, the golden carrot then, or the golden ticket for you. Then you have the option of covering the world cup, but you're behind the camera or you can continue doing USL NWSL CONCACAF in front of the camera, which are you choosing? Not even a question in my mind. Staying on air. Nice. All right. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Give me Tormenta Union Omaha on air. Ooh, all right. <laughs> Are you the one that's calling it this Saturday? What's up? Are you calling no, it this Saturday? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm doing a USL championship this Saturday, FC Tulsa, okay. uh, Tampa Bay. But uh, no, but I just love being on air and and I love this league. You two, you two know it better than than most it's it is so unique the way that these matches go down i talk to coaches about it all the time especially coaches who are new to this league they're like this is unlike anything i've ever coached in anything i've ever experienced the way that goals are scored uh the way that certain metrics don't matter in this league that do matter very much in other leagues. So I, I love it. It's it's an absolute blast. And I'm, I'm honored every time I put on the headset to, to broadcast in this league. Week in and week out, I want to bang my head on a desk because Brian over there does the eye test and his predictions are pretty much spot on. Whereas wow. I do all this research into the statistics and it's almost like I can see what's going to happen. And then they kick off and all of that goes out the window and Brian's prediction is spot on and i just want to like throw like the 52 card pickup and just walk out the room 
Brian, what's the secret? Is it straight up vibes or is there any logic that goes into it? I mean, there, there's a little bit of logic and it, 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 the way I do it, it, I do look at a little bit of trends and stuff like that, but a lot of times it's, it is just individual matchups and trying to figure out, I mean, watching every single game every week, you kind of get to know what matchups are going to work for what teams and everything like that. And obviously it, it changes at the beginning of the season because this season, you know, this league does this every single season. It changes and players come in and out, which is what it's supposed to do. Um, but I mean, it, it really just, the eye test thing is always something that I kind of just always liked to do as opposed to looking at statistical breakdowns. So and I think Rich Rich won't say it out loud, but I will, and that Rich does a lot of, if not 99.9% of the work that goes into the show, and I sit here and show up and try to talk and do stuff like that. So um, I guess Rich would definitely be the analyst if this were a commentary duo. <laughs> but don't dare diminish that 0.1%, man. Because that 0.1% becomes way bigger than you think it is. Yeah. Absolutely. No doubt. And hey, everyone has a different way of, of being successful. You two go about it a different way, but you both do a great job, and that's it. Whatever works. Well, thank you. And yeah, on that, that same on that, you know, in that same vein, uh, talking about something that works, what do you think USL media could use to enhance its coverage, whether it be from independent coverage like us or from, you know, USL headquarters, what do you think could enhance coverage? Enhance. I, I think a lot of these independent media groups and, and the teams do, do a really good job. Um, I mean, I'll say what I, what I do really like, and I just would love to continue to see a lot more of as well. And there's already a lot of it out, but I love the, the player interviews, the coach interviews, the mic'd up segments. I think it was, don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure it was one of the Madison podcasts just had a player on. I'm totally blanking on who it was. Talking clock. They had yes, a talking clock. And who was it? It was I'm the totally goalkeeper. Blanking. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was It was their backup goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was so fun to listen to those stories. There was a story of... Uh, something like he was going to work some odd job and then ended up uh, getting a call from, from Matt right before starting that job. Like those are the things, those are the type of stories that, that allow fans to really uh, develop an affinity for these players. I, I love that. So, so to those groups who are already doing that, and I know a lot of them are keep it up. You're doing an awesome job. So, I mean, this is going to be USL um, centric of a question here, but I mean, obviously you've heard the rumblings of the vote for ProRel to talk about ProRel um, next month. Um, in your opinion, kind of where do you see the USL ending up in the next 10 to 20 years? This is probably a, a cop-out answer, but I, I really don't know. I, I think what I'll say is that in, in general, I see the sport just blowing up. I think it's already on a, a really nice trajectory, but between between 
what's going to happen in a couple of years when the World Cup is here, and just the it, it, it's it's going to blow up. Like that's it. Fact of the matter is, it, it's going to blow up. Um, that that's that's really all I have to say on it. I, I think the USL continues to expand. Uh, super excited about Spokane and Santa Barbara for next season. That's going to be really cool. 14 teams in League One. That is a, a league record. So congratulations to everybody at at uh, at the league office for continuing to uh, grow this this awesome league and continue to improve the product. I, I love it. And the popularity just continues to increase. So let's dive but, in. Again, in terms of five to ten years, I just – I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm not good at predicting things. So I just, yeah. I don't know, but it's uh, the trajectory the league is on is, is, is really great. Well, clearly I'm not either. Not so we should be depending on Brian for that stuff. <laughs> yeah. We'll turn this question to you, Brian. <laughs> uh, it's going up and up and up. That's, uh, oh, that's absolutely. There's, there's no doubt about that. It will, it's absolutely going up and up and up. And uh, I just love how the league continues to expand at uh, USL championship league one, We'll see what happens with with ProRel. Um, who knows? But I'm extremely optimistic for the future of this league and for the future of soccer in this country. Nice. Well, we've hammered you with a ton of questions. Let me ask you a question about maybe things that are happening off the field. What do you do to escape the nonstop nature of the sports world? The nonstop nature of the sports world, I... I will listen to podcasts and watch YouTube videos about world affairs, uh, politics, news, stuff like that, and uh, play play a lot of video games. But those video games are sports video games, so it's not really an escape from sports. But I'm big into NCA football 14 yes. and FIFA 13. Those are the two games that I play the most for Xbox 360. Are you willing to throw your screen name out there for everyone to challenge you? Absolutely. Ooh, <laughs> all right. Keep in mind, I made this when I was probably, uh, <laughs> I don't know, 12 years old or so. But yeah. it is, we are Penn State and the number four. All right. There you go, folks. Feel free to add me. I don't think FIFA 13 still has an active online server, but I play NCAA football online all the time. I've gotten as high as 83 in the world. Whoa, I think right wow. now I'm about a hundred, um, but I, I'm, I'm down to play anybody. Dang. That's confidence right there. So <laughs> I got to ask now, are you excited about the new NCAA football game that's supposed to be coming out? Oh, I, I am. I, I am. I'm, ex I'm cautiously excited about it. Same. Right. Listen, is it going to be the Madden engine? Is it going to be, NCA football 14 type of mm -hmm. gameplay. Yep. That's the question. And my, my whole dilemma is this. The only gaming console I have is a 360. If I want to get this new game, I have to go out and buy, what is it, the PS5 or the yeah. new Xbox. Yep. So, so that's a big investment between the game and the console. Mm -hmm. I have to wait to play the game, make sure that it is what I'm hoping for, and from there, spend a lot of money on a video game. But and, and you are 100 in the world. You cannot give up that title. I, I know. I mean, you got to put that on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
Yeah, I think that'll get me some jobs. So ESPN, I'm, I'm top 100 in the world at NCA 14. Call me up. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> if I will say, if, if they uh, have a pro league for NCA football, I'll try out for it. Probably won't be good enough. I've played some of the top like three to five guys in the world. Uh, they're they're just they're next they're next level. It's, they are very good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Brian, so do you still play the NCAA football 14? I do. I still play 14. Nice. Um, I played on PS3. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I'll do um, go through and do the modded schedules and the modded um, lineups and rosters and everything like that as well. So um, a ton of good work. I mean, these, these modders right now are insane with the amount of work these guys are putting in. But to yes, quote I do. Kevin Durant, they're the real MVPs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it, they definitely keep it fresh every time, too. It's, it's yes. one of my favorite things. I mean, anybody that's not an NCAA football fan, I mean, sorry. But, like, <laughs> going through and I think um, – oh, what I forget his name, but it was the guy on YouTube that went through and did the UGF Pandas as his um, dynasty. Mm. I Still one of my favorite YouTube series of all time to see him take – a nothing team all the way up to like title contenders. It's awesome. It's so much fun. Well, Brian, I think, I mean, I'm out of questions. Are you good? Yeah, I think, I think we've exhausted our, yeah. our list that we had put together. So yeah, we, yeah, we have quite a list going too. So yeah, I'm, I'm man, John, this is amazing that you stuck around to, to face every single one of those questions. I really appreciate you taking the time to spend some time with us, answer those questions. Um, this has been a ton of fun. I've, I've enjoyed this. This has been an absolute blast. This is, this is rare for me. Normally I'm the one asking questions. So it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a different ball game, but Hey, I said it before, keep up the great job, not just you two, but, but all of the content creators, across league one, across the, the soccer and sports landscape in general, like you all do an awesome job. I listen, you help me out a ton. And uh, again, I'm, I'm grateful for, for these opportunities I have to commentate in this league. And I'm so optimistic about the future of, uh, of the USL and can't wait to see uh, what's in store. But th awesome. thank you guys. Yeah. No problem. And I have a really funny story to tell you. So stay on uh, uh, for just a few more minutes. Sure. Absolutely. And, and for anybody out there, happy to connect if you want on uh, Twitter, John Gross PXP. Um, feel free to connect there. Yep. All right. Well, Brian, if, if you're good, I'm good. Yeah, I am good. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of League One on the Rocks. My name is Rich. That is Brian. We will see you next time.